The rapture is God's promise that He'll return. If you want to learn how to be rapture ready, then be sure to order Dr. David Jeremiah's new book, The Great Disappearance. This fascinating glimpse into the next event on God's prophetic calendar is available for a donation of any amount to Turning Point. Donate $75 and you'll receive The Great Disappearance set. Donate $100 or more and you'll receive a three-book share pack. Get yours today at davidjeremiah.ca. Welcome to Turning Point. In this age of disposable products and short attention spans, eternity is practically an alien concept. It can only be truly understood through Jesus. Today, Dr. David Jeremiah begins the series, The Jesus You May Not Know, to help you know Christ and appreciate eternity more fully. Listen as David introduces today's message, Is He From History or From Eternity? Well, today we begin uh, a new series on the life of Jesus, and uh, we're going to answer a lot of questions about Jesus. Today, the question is, is he from history or is he from eternity? And uh, throughout the month, we'll ask a lot of those questions, and uh, we'll be telling you about a new resource tomorrow or when the new month begins. But today we begin this series um, helping us understand the majestic person called the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, people say, I know about him, but do you know him? When you know him, when you really know him as a person and you have a relationship with him, what a difference it makes. We're going to try to encourage you to do that throughout this next month, and uh, we'll enter into the Christmas season with that concept of Jesus Christ heavy in our hearts. Hey, um, this is the last day you can get the resources for the month of November, so let me just tell you what they are again. The book on angels, which is a 240-page softcover book that gives all the information from this whole series. There is a study guide on angels and a CDD package on angels. You can get those from Turning Point at davidjeremiah.org. You can get the book by just sending a gift of any size and saying... Uh, Here's my gift, and send me the book on angels. And this month also, we have made available, uh, for the first time ever, Why the Nativity, the movie, on DVD. You can ask for that as your resource when you send a gift, and you will have it for Christmas to share with your loved ones and uh, enjoy the beautiful cinematography of Why the Nativity. So, there you go. There are some options for you. Right now, let's get started with this first lesson on the Jesus you may not know. Is he from history or from eternity? Today, I want to talk with you about one word, and I want you to repeat the word after me. The word is eternity. We talk about it a lot, but it's pretty evident to me as I studied this again that it's something we don't really know a lot about. I want to tell you about the eternal Indian who stands on the banks of Rock River overlooking the city of Oregon, Illinois. Its creator, Loreto Taft, began working on it in 1908 by creating models, and then three years later, when the statue was dedicated, people marveled at its size. It seemed to grow out of the ground and tower majestically from the top of the bluff where it is stationed. It's one of the largest monolithic statues in the world. The Eternal Indian was inspired by the Sauk leader Black Hawk, and the statue's folded arms and massive robe and determined eyes are designed to convey the unconquerable spirit of Native Americans. But here's the problem. 
the eternal Indian is crumbling. Hundreds of thousands of dollars have been raised in an effort to restore this 108-year-old image, including a grant from the Illinois legislature. Visitors often find the monument covered with tarps or scaffolding. They can't see it because it's being repaired. Past efforts to restore Illinois' crumbling eternal Indian have fallen apart. Recently, the paper quoted a local resident and restoration advocate who said, It's a faith thing. We're all hoping for the best, but we have no firm guarantees, and I think everybody's a little antsy about that. The eternal Indian who's crumbling. Hardly anything's eternal. In fact, I remember I said anything that lasts 50 years should be celebrated because that's a long time for anything in this world in which we live. And eternal things just don't exist in the world in which you and I navigate. Nothing in this world is eternal, and given enough time, everything crumbles and returns to dust. And that's why you and I live in an antsy world, isn't it? We see around us the things that we used to think were immovable, and they're gone. Nothing like going back to a place where you were 50 years ago to start a church, to have that emblazoned across your heart. Nothing that was there when I was there, hardly anything is there except a few of the original buildings. And unfortunately for us today, the word eternal, and especially the word eternity, has lost its meaning. I discovered that eternity has been the name of at least three different movies two different television series, eight different music albums, and eight different songs. Eternity is the name of a perfume, a mobile phone, a puzzle game, a superhero, Kid Eternity, a Christian magazine, a newspaper, a science fiction magazine. It's ironic that a word that means forever has been given as the name for so many things that don't last very long. And eternity is a time thing for us, but eternity is not time. Eternity is beyond time. We don't understand eternity because we have no precedent. Don and I were talking about it at home, and we were talking about how hard it is to wrap our minds around something that never began and never ends, something that has no beginning and no end, but that's what eternity is. Well, we try. We try to understand it. We come up with little stories that help us comprehend how long is eternity. Here's one that I remember. Imagine a little bird taking a grain of sand and flying to a distant planet. It would take him a million years to get to that planet. Then he would drop the grain of sand, and the little bird would fly back to the earth, taking another million years to get home. He gets another grain of sand and flies back to the distant planet, back and forth, back and forth he goes, And when he will have transplanted every speck of earth to that distant planet, it will only be breakfast time in eternity. (laughs) That's how hard it is to comprehend it. We need crazy little stories like that to even get our mind in the middle of it. We live in a world which, given enough time, everything crumbles and nobody remembers us and life is ultimately meaningless and absurd And if you don't understand what God has given to you in His Word to give meaning to this life, it's very difficult to make it all the way through. Because in Jesus Christ alone is it possible for us to discover the meaning of eternity. 
And I want to explore that meaning with you for a few moments in three areas of life. I want to talk about eternity in history, eternity in your heart, and eternity in heaven. First of all, eternity in history. Let's begin. In many respects, the idea of associating history with eternity is absurd. Eternity is, you see, one of the great mysteries of the universe, one of the great mysteries of God. Eternity is the attribute of infinity in relationship to time. It means that the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, have always existed. The past, present, and future, as we know it, are eternally present in the mind of God. God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, live in the eternal present. We see life through three different lenses. I just went back and reviewed something from my past. I look forward to some things we're going to do this year. That's future. And here we are today in the present. But when God looks at life, He doesn't see them that way. He sees everything in the eternal now. Everything is now to God. Everything is now to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a mystery, and it is difficult to get our minds around it. And it stretches us, does it not? It reminds me of that powerful thought that if the God you worship is small enough for you to understand, he's not big enough for you to worship. I don't understand all of this. I learn everything I can from the revelation of the Scripture, but when I've learned all I can learn about God, there's still so much more about God that I cannot know. One day I will know, but I don't know now. So what that means for you and for me is that since Jesus is God, and since he has no beginning and no end, and he has existed ages before he came into the world to be our Savior, when the prophet Micah predicted that Jesus would come to be our Savior, did you listen to his words? Listen to how he described it. He said, out of you shall come forth to me the one who is to be ruler in Israel. Who is that? Jesus Christ. Whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. In other words, Jesus Christ is coming to be the ruler of Israel, but he's been around forever. He's never had a beginning. One day Jesus was talking to some of his friends and he stunned them. They never did get over this. They were talking about Abraham and David and all of that. And Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. In other words, here's Jesus, 30 years old, saying that he knew Abraham, almost like Abraham and I were buddies. Jesus didn't say, before Abraham was, I was. He said, before Abraham was, I am. In other words, Abraham had history. Jesus doesn't have any. He is forever. And the Bible tells us, men and women, that Jesus in his eternity is the creator of this world. I know you know that the Bible says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. But God tells us in his word that, yes, it was God who did it, but was the second person of the Trinity who was the executor of creation. Here's what the Bible says. All things were made by him, by Jesus, and without Jesus, nothing was made that was made. That's what the scripture means. Colossians 1.16 says, By Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth. 
And Hebrews makes it very clear. God has in these last days spoken to us by his son, who is that? Jesus, by whom he has appointed heir of all things and through whom he made all the worlds. Stop and think about this. The baby born in Bethlehem was here when the world was created and actually created the world as we see it today. Jesus Christ, the creator of the world. Well, you say, how does that affect me? Well, listen up. The Bible says that you and I were chosen in Christ before the world began. Ephesians 1, 4 says, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. What that means, men and women, is since we are in Christ before the foundation of the world, we have been loved by Christ for a lot longer than you may think. We have been loved by Christ throughout eternity. Jeremiah 31.3 says it this way, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Sometimes we think Jesus only loves us if we do good things. You know, we sometimes pick that up along the way in our culture. If you be good, God will love you. If you be bad, he won't. But that's nothing to do with God's love for us. The Scripture tells us that long before the world was, long before there was a creation, long before Abraham, Jesus loved us, that he loves you. I remember reading that Justin Welby, the Archbishop of Canterbury, was asked what he believed to be the greatest challenge we face as Christ followers. And without a moment's hesitation, he said, every Christian I meet cannot quite believe that they are loved by God. One of the great problems people have is accepting the fact that Almighty God loves them. Maybe you're like that. Maybe you don't believe Jesus loves you at all. Or maybe you only know a Jesus who loves you in varying degrees. Or maybe you're on the performance track where you think he loves you on the basis of what you do. But hear me, if you don't get anything else, get this. God, through Jesus Christ, has loved you before the foundation of the world. Before you could do anything, good or bad, you were loved by God. That means he doesn't love us because of who we are. He doesn't love us because of what we've done. He loves us because of who he is. When we succeed, he says, I love you. When we fail, he says, I love you. Because he is loved, there is nothing you can ever do to make him stop loving you, and there's not anything you can ever do to make him love you more than he already does. Because his love is eternal, it's a part of who he is as God, and it's always been true. Everything you have ever done or thought, whether it be good, bad, or indifferent, was in the future when God set his love upon you. He loves you, my friends, like you cannot imagine. Will you say, I don't feel loved? Let me tell you with authority, that is not God's problem. We cannot blame God for our feelings. God has told us the truth. He loves us. Believe it. Eternity in history. God loves you. Here's the second thought. Eternity in your heart. This is really an amazing thought. Hold this because it's important to this. He's loved us forever. Then he set about creating us. And he created us, men and women, with eternity in our hearts. He created us literally so that all of us were made for him. 
It should say on us, made for God, because every one of us have been created for his pleasure. And the Bible tells us that when God created us, he left a space within us, a space that only he can occupy. In Ecclesiastes 3.11, we read these words, God has put eternity in our hearts. That means that every one of us has a hunger and a longing for God, even if we don't know it. That even when we might be rebelling against God, saying, I won't have him to rule over me, there's still this empty place in our hearts, and God is the only one who can fill that. One of the challenges we have in our culture is we try to fill that with everything else, don't we? We try to find meaning through riches or relationships or pride or money or sex or drugs or whatever. Everything we stuff into that space doesn't fit because that space was made for God. He created eternity in our hearts. I reviewed a book that I had read many years ago by Don Richardson, and the title of the book is Eternity in Their Hearts. And this book is about missions and how Missionaries would go to these foreign lands like Papua New Guinea where no one had ever been before. And yet, without any witness from any person, they would discover in the minds and hearts of these people that they had some kind of lingering hunger after God, and they were trying to find out who he was. They would search, they would go, they would build their own idols. Somehow, even in the pagans who did not ever have a witness from God, there was the evidence that God had put eternity in their hearts. And then a missionary would come, connect the dots between God's love and that person. And oftentimes, whole civilizations would be changed and churches would grow. God has put every one of us in a place of knowing God if we want to. He's built this place in us that's specifically for him. And if you do not know that, if you do not accept it, it doesn't go away. It will continue to be there. And do you know that even after we become Christians, there's still a bit of that within us? The Bible says that all creation is groaning, waiting for the day of redemption. What that means is that in this world in which you and I live, we can have the joy of knowing Jesus Christ in a personal way, but we were not built for this world, and this world was not built for us. We were built for eternity. Until we get there, we're not going to have that wonderful feeling that everything is right. I think when we get to heaven, the first thing we're going to do is say, oh, man, this is what I've been looking for. <laughs> because even as Christians, Romans tells us that we have a hunger in our heart for something more. Have you ever noticed that when you start out in life and you have these goals and you get there and you realize it's not enough? I remember we started our church. My goal was someday maybe to have a church that had a thousand people in it. When I got to a thousand, I just knew so many people that had 5,000. And I don't care what you do, there's always somebody bigger. And I finally settled it once and for all. I went to India where there was 200,000 people in church. I've given up that game. I'm here to do what God wants me to do, however many people he sends me. Amen? But isn't that true? I have a story about guys who won Super Bowl rings. From the time they were in grade school, they wanted to play in college. From when they got in college, they wanted to play in the NFL. And when they were in, they wanted to win the Super Bowl. 
Do you know that about 15 years after the Super Bowls, this study showed that almost all those rings were gone. They had been sold. They'd been given away. They'd been hocked. They weren't what they were looking for. And I've heard over and over again people who've accomplished great things. They get to the place they hope they could get to, and it didn't fill the emptiness in their heart. You know why? Jesus is the only one who can fill the emptiness in your heart. You can keep trying if you want to. It'll be a frustrating existence if that's what you do. So eternity is in our hearts. In fact, St. Augustine once wrote it this way. He said, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they learn to rest in thee. So what is eternal life? John 17, 3 says it this way. This is Jesus' definition of eternal life. Listen carefully. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. What did Jesus mean by eternal life? Let me tell you a story. I don't know how I got fixed on this, but as a young pastor, when I would ever go to do a funeral and go to the cemetery... I started kind of getting there early and walking around and looking at what people put on their tombstone. Turned out to be sort of a little gathering of humor for me over the years, and then people found out about it, and they started sending me all these really crazy epitaphs. I got a whole book full of them, like, here lies the body of old man Pease buried beneath the flowers and trees, but Pease ain't here, just the pod. Pease shelled out and went to God. There you go. That's on a tombstone someplace. Or this one. Here lies the body of Marianne Brown. At death she weighed 400 pounds, but now in sweet repose she rests in peace and rest on Abram's breast. A little boy came along and saw it and thought it would need another stanza, so he added, it may be sweet for Marianne, but it's really tough on Abraham. <laughs> so I got all these epitaphs. But you know what, folks? The strangest epitaph you'll ever see, and you will see it over and over. You can go to almost any cemetery, and you'll see it more than once. Here's what it says. Born August 1st, 1930. Entered into eternal life, and then there's a date. And the only thing wrong with that is that's not true. You do not enter into eternal life when you die. You enter into eternal life when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Jesus said, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. So eternal life is described by one Scottish minister as the life of God in the soul of man. When I accept Jesus Christ and he comes to live in that vacuum that God created in my heart, eternal life begins. And when I die, it just takes a step forward. So I am living today. I have eternal life. We say that on occasion, but we don't really stop to think what it means. You don't get eternal life through death. You get eternal life through faith. When you see Jesus Christ and you receive him as your Savior, you become a Christian, the Bible says you have eternal life. Eternal life is not a death issue, it's a faith issue. So now you have eternal life. And what does that mean? Well, first of all, it means enjoyment. 
How many of you know, when you're not a Christian, your attitude about Christianity is that you don't want to be a Christian because it won't be any fun? I had a guy tell me one day, I'd be a Christian, Dr. Jeremiah, but it would be really inconvenient for me right now. And what he meant by that was he'd have to stop doing some of the stuff he was doing because he wouldn't think that would be right for a Christian to do. I'm here to tell you that the greatest joy you will ever know, you will know when you become a Christian. I'm not talking about happiness. I'm not talking about rah, rah, rah. I'm talking about the deep, settled peace in your heart that all is well with you and your maker. Amen. I've watched that happen over the years, and it's undeniable evidence of the power of the gospel. Do you know Jesus Christ? This person we're talking about, is he just a figure of history, or is he a person you know? You can't know God if you don't know Jesus, and you know Jesus by getting involved relationally with him, asking him to come and live within your heart, and accepting his forgiveness of your sin, and he will do that wherever you are, no matter where you are. Just stop right now, find a quiet place, sit down and pray a prayer, and say, Lord Jesus, I'm ready to begin a relationship with you. Tried it my own way, it's not working. I want to do it your way. Come and live within my heart and give me direction. Give me forgiveness. Give me hope. Give me a future. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for hearing my prayer. He'll do it. He really will. We'll be back tomorrow with more about the Lord Jesus Christ. Is he from history or from eternity? Thanks for listening. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, The Jesus You May Not Know, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected. Our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's book, Angels, Who They Are and How They Help, What the Bible Reveals. Uplifting and helpful, it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions, available in several distinctive cover options. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, The Jesus You May Not Know, on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Angels are a fascinating topic, and yet with all the theories concerning them, how can we know what's fact and what's fiction? In his book called Angels, Dr. David Jeremiah uses scripture to help readers of all ages understand the truth about these agents of heaven. You'll receive angels with our thanks for a gift of any amount to Turning Point. And for a donation of $70 or more, we'll send you the Angels set, which includes a book, study guide, and CD album. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. Take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible. Then continue the adventure with monthly audio adventures on airshipgenesis.com. Plus, download the Airship Genesis mobile game where kids will travel back in time to the life of Jesus. Blast off with the young one in your life at airshipgenesis.com. The iconic performer George Burns, who lived to be 100 years old, said near the end of his life, I was always taught to respect my elders, and I've reached the age when I don't have anybody left to respect. That was his comedic take on aging. 
but he raised a good point. Who should we respect? Certainly our elders and those in authority over us, but the truth is every person should show respect to every other person, even those with whom we disagree. For this reason, every human being is created in the image of God. Respecting people is respecting God's creation. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's reasons for respect on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.